Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And then by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies. These two stories actually go together. They kind of intermingle because you have Joshua, and then you have Rahab, and then you have Joshua and Rahab. And it's like it, they, they, they work together, especially because we're dealing with Jericho. Um, and I was considering doing them separately, but as I was, like, praying about it, I was, like, stirred by the contrast of lives. And so we're going to look at Joshua. Joshua is a noble guy, man. He was... He was rad. He was awesome. He's one of the ones, Joshua and Caleb are the ones that were able to enter the promised land when a whole generation died off. And uh, he trusted the Lord. He believed. Uh, he, he had his fall, you know, slip ups here and there. But Joshua was a man that like trusted God, believed God, was obedient to the Lord. At the end of his life, or at the end of Joshua, we see uh, 24, verse uh, chapter 24, 24 verse 15 he says as for me and my house we will serve the lord so he starts there and he ends there we're in a ser- he's serving the lord and trusting the lord early he's serving the lord and trusting the lord late and that's a beautiful testimony and his life was used radically throughout because of his obedience and his faith and that's something uh especially because we're going to get into this you know the rahab story we're going to get into josh Sometimes you think, well, why not have a Rahab story if you can end up in the Hall of Faith too? Uh, I think that Rahab's life was redeemed and it was beautiful, but there was years of waste. Joshua seemed to have less of that, right? And he was used in a dynamic way because he decided to trust the Lord early. Um, but he's a man of faith from beginning to the end. Joshua was Moses' apprentice. He was the one that came after Moses. He would lead the children of Israel. And uh, we'll get into all that. There's actually a lot of verses. I've tried to condense it as much as possible because we could just literally be reading it the rest of the time if we were to go through all these stories and where they all come from. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and Numbers chapter 13, we get uh, the story of the 12 spies that are sent out. In Numbers 13, starting at verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So this is the promise to Abraham. You're going to get the land. The land is coming. It's now time. Guys, go spy out the land, the one I'm giving to you. Reminder, the one I'm giving to you. Reminder, remember I saved you from Egypt. Reminder, remember I'm keeping you fed all the time. Reminder, there's a pillar of fire and a cloud that's leading you. Reminder that there's like a thunder on the mountain that God is like literally with you in the camp. Guess what, guys? It's time to stop camping. And we love camping for a season. Everybody has their like, their, their limits, you know? One day, two days, three days, maybe it's zero days and let's go to a hotel. Um, maybe you could live out there forever. But he's saying, like, let's go. The time has come. Like, I want you guys to see. Hey, go see the the land. So he grabs one person from each tribe. Uh, Notably, we have Caleb from the tribe of Judah. And we have Joshua from the tribe of Ephraim. 
which is uh, Joseph's son, right? And so they are, they are sent out with 10 others. And Moses said, spy out the land, figure out the produce, see what they got there, go see it, check it out. And the Lord's leading them to do that. It says, be of good courage, guys. Scooting down to verse 23, it says, then they came to the valley of Eskel, uh, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. You get, you get the, gra- I mean, that's a lot of grapes. You got to carry it on a pole, you know? Like you think, this is excess of goods, which is, God is like a benevolent, like, God. He like doesn't slightly do it. He does it big, you know, to show that he, he can provide like that. And they carried it between the two of them on a pole, and they brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskel because of the cluster, which the men of Israel cut down there, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Guess what, guys? It's exactly like you said it would be. Imagine that. The thing that God had said it would be, it is. It truly is the land flowing with milk and honey. The resources are abundant. This is a blessed place. Nevertheless, Be careful with our nevertheless here, right? The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. The promised land is exactly, it's beyond even what we thought it would be. It's it's there. You know, because expectations versus reality, that always gets you into trouble. Be careful if you too highly hype a restaurant because then they don't like it and then you're offended. Man, you know, so good. It's the best thing ever. And then they go, it's like not that good. And you're like, what's wrong with me? You know, you know what's wrong with you is you hyped it beyond any restaurant at any point ever in history. And there was no way it could live up to that. This was hyped for generations, the land that's coming, and they got there and they're like, oh yeah, that's the land. (laughs) See the pole full of grapes? But the problem is what? There's giants in the land. There's adversaries everywhere. So guess what? We're gonna need a plan B. This isn't gonna work. And this is the opposite of faith. This is the anti-faith. This is the, the, the part of us that goes, you know what? You've been so faithful. You've been so good. You've made your promises. You brought Isaac when there was no way, you know? And you've kept us throughout all these generations. And then you, you pulled us out from slavery by the most crazy circumstances. But this one's too big. Even though you have, this isn't like a, I'm going out on a leap of faith on my own, you know, I feel like the Lord's told me to start a business, and and it's like, did he tell you, or did you watch enough YouTube videos to get pumped up to do it? 
I read a book and now I'm ready. You know, it's like, okay. No, this is like the Lord saying, the land that's been promised for all these years, you know I've kept all my other promises? Here's this one. Here's the one that the patriarchs died looking forward to. Here it is. Guys, I know God's been really good. He's really awesome. Guess what? He didn't know there was giants here. He did not know the people that were there. And it's important to understand that these people, specifically the Canaanites, were beyond wicked. They're like, this was, they were like child sacrifice. I mean, like the most nasty, wicked stuff happening at this place. It is not good. So even like when we talk about like things like war and, and uh, like God going in and taking these places, the children of Israel are going along with what God is already doing. And God uses people to execute judgment on unrighteousness and nastiness and gnarliness. Because God is not mocked. And he sees injustice. You read through the Psalms and it's, he's the God who sees. He's the God who's, who's watching. You read through the Old Testament. He's, he can see. He can hear. He knows what's going on. And, and he's often patient. But then he's like, that's enough injustice. I'm going I'm to deal with it here. And so he uses the children of Israel as they're honoring him to be his, his, uh, his hand as he's moving and working through all these different things. And he's setting apart his people to be different from all other people. That's why it was such a big deal when they would intermarry with other people groups. Because he's like, you can't be part of them. They are not good for you at all. Stay far away. So here they go. We're stuck. We found the land. We can't go. There's giants. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us, this is verse 30, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. He's, he's got the eyes of faith knowing that God is capable of doing anything. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. So they're, they're lying about it to some extent. They're at least they're, you know, putting a little bit of a, you know, coloration on it, a spin. Uh, and the land which they said, so they told them that the land they spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are of great stature. You know, this isn't true. You know, they aren't all giants. So they've like, they've made up this big story. And isn't that how unbelief works? The giants become bigger than ever. Oh, they just seem so huge. And, and now all of a sudden, because you're so focused on that, you lost your eyes of faith, knowing what God has asked you and called you to do in obedience. You go, they're bigger than I even remember. The more I think about it, they, get, they are actually bigger than that. No, than that, than that. The, and there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And, they, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. They're so big, we were grasshoppers. So they were like 50 feet tall, you know. They would have stepped on us. Verse 14, look at this influence, what this influence has. Look what, how unbelief affects the camp. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. This is verse four, uh, chapter 14. And the people wept that night. 
And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in the wilderness. Can we just go back to Egypt? It's like, oh, we're so sick of this bread. If only we could go back and have onions and leeks in Egypt. Whatever. Like, so here they are now, they're like, or if only we could have just died back in the wilderness a little bit. It's like, everything would be better than this. So dramatic. Completely forgetting all that God has done. The manna, the, you know, it's just like crazy. Verse six, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy on out is an exceedingly good land. Now listen to this. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord with his obedience, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the so so they're like on the opposite side of the spectrum. They're like there is nothing more dangerous than being against God, and that's who they are. They don't have the protection. They're big, but they're not that big. They're not as big as my God. Verse ten, and the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. So they are turning on them because of their obedience, because of their faith. That's a possibility. Especially unbelief becomes very unsettled when they see belief, when they see faith. And unfortunately, one of the downsides of not trusting God is trying to make yourself feel better by getting others not to trust God either. Well, have you thought about it from this angle, from this angle, from this angle? There are giants out there. Yeah, but God's already shown he can, be, he can use a, a little boy to be a giant slayer. Like, it, it, none of this means anything to him. But like, he's, he can do the impossible. He's shown you this over and over again. So this is the foundation of Joshua's faith. Now we pick up in Joshua 1. The whole, that whole generation is sealed, and they've sealed their fate. They're not entering into the land. But Joshua and Caleb are able to. So Joshua chapter one, verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the children, the children of Israel, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness uh, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Uh, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is Joshua's charge. He says, I saw your faith. I trust. And and now look, Joshua, you're crossing through the Jordan. You're going to the other side. And you're going to take these lands that have been promised for all these years. Be strong and of good courage. You trust. You believe. Spend time meditating on my law. Spend time knowing what I say. Spend time valuing what I value. Enjoy relationship of me speaking to you through the law and in your pres- me being in your presence in the camp. And watch what I'll do. And, and we've been talking the last couple of weeks about how faith is not faith in faith. Faith is not something we just drum up in ourselves and in and of ourselves that says, I could probably jump off this building and fly. Faith is built on realities. And for the children of Israel, they had many of those realities where God has come through. He's been faithful. And now they have to exercise faith to believe that he will continue to do what he's already done and what he's promised he will, he will do in the future. But it takes, so it's not a faith in faith. It's a, it's a rooted, it's a grounded faith. And so God's not gonna ask you to have I just believe because I just kind of feel it. No, no, no. Our faith is, it it can be checked out. He's left us historical markers, archaeological markers. Uh, He's left us so much. uh, Even the cosmos, they all speak to his glory. So he's not asking us to be blind and arrogant and foolish and dumb. No, the greatest minds have come from believers who have said, God is real, God is true. Let's find out all the truth we can find and we might find out even more about God because that's how he's created everything. We don't hide out and shelter. If you ask me any questions, I have to shut you out. This faith can be, can be tested. This faith can be, and it should be. We all need to test our faith. We got to know what we really believe. And so that way, when the time comes, when God says, let me test that, let's see this test of faith. Let me give you this opportunity where if you believe me, I'm going to do something really radical in your life. It'll be a landmark. It'll be a building block for the future. You got to know why you believe it so that you're ready for that. And so Joshua, even though he's seen everything, even though he's been given a straight up promise, he's, he's still reminded to be strong and of good courage. Because there's still going to be something in them that it's still scary, no matter how many times you see God provide. Amen? Because something about it always seems a little different. Oh, he's done it before. He's done this exact same thing before. This one feels a little different, always. Is he going to show up again? Yes. He will, if he promises to do so. So Joshua... Follows through. First, uh, chapter two of Joshua. Told you there's a lot of scripture here, but it's good, right? You guys like digging into the Old Testament? You, I forced you to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> you guys like it, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. If you said nothing, you agreed. All right. Uh, so Joshua chapter two, verse one. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, 
sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly. Here's another, more spies. He said, 12 didn't work, let's just send two. It was me and Caleb, we, we, already, we are already there. That's not, I'm just making a point. No, it's not really a thing. But he says, go view the land, especially Jericho. Jericho was the fortified city. This was the gnarliest of it all, right? So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And there it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men uh, who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Uh, you might be wondering, why are these guys going to a harlot's house? Uh, they were certainly trying to blend in. They were not trying to look like the children of Israel. That's why they, they were trying. They were spies. Spies don't want to be found out. And so they're trying to blend in. I'm sure they're trying to put on their very best accent and do their very best. And then to go into a harlot's house, obviously that wouldn't be a, an odd thing for someone out of town. And so they're thinking this is the place where no questions will be asked because you can't just roll up to any inn anywhere. This is a place where you can just go, come and go and you know, as long as the funds are paid, you're good. And so, but they're not very good at hiding it because immediately they all know there's guys from Israel here and they're with the harlot. And what's odd is they already know they're spying out the country. There's, there's already, you hear the reputation. But when Rahab's asked about it, she immediately covers for them and lies. And it's, it's, it's wild. Because it, this, this has been a thing where people go, does, is Rahab, you know, because what's the verse we're looking at? She's hidden the spies. So is lying part of the hall of faith? Well, yes. But is it like a good thing? No. But she is working with the resources that she has. And maybe like when you first got saved, your methods weren't super clean. I've heard the stories about guys who are like, um, you know, drug runners and, you know, uh, who they were out there and they were, you know, living that life, being, being like drug dealers. And then they go and they get saved and then they go and find other people and they hold gun, literally guns to their heads and say, accept Jesus. And you go... Okay, thank you for your evangelistic heart that's trying to reach the masses out there. But this is not how we're going to, oh, yeah, sure, man, sure. Yeah, Jesus, we're going to say this prayer, you know, right now. You repeat it after, repeat it after me, you know. It's like, Lord, I'm a sinner. Yeah, 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 you know. Afterwards, dude, this is awesome. Let's go get baptized. It's like, I already baptized myself. You know, sorry, that was too much, but um, that's not good. All right. But the idea is like that this is, this is like, I, I don't know, I've got an, this is, I'm just going to work with what I've got. What does Rahab know? She knows a life of deception. You know, you know, a harlot lives a life of obviously like, you know, loose morals, debauchery, all that stuff, but they also live a life of lies, making men feel like they're wanted and all this and that. And so she's working with what she's got, and it's not perfect. But we're going to see where her faith lies, not necessarily in her lies or even the way she 
if she responds exactly perfectly, but it's because of a deep-rooted faith in who God is. Verse 8. Uh, so she basically says, hey, they were here, but they're gone. If you go right now, you'll catch them. Verse eight, we pick up in the story. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and, they, and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, uh, um, for we have, okay, yeah. For when you uh, came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God he is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Rahab gives us some really interesting insights to this story that's often missed. The Lord has prepared them for what's about to happen. So you know how there's all this fear going on in the camp. Little do they know that there is fear in the fortified city. They're terrified of the children of Israel. And they recognize that their God is greater than other gods. Now, could this have been a place where they could have repented and come to know the Lord and follow, like come to follow and join in with the children of Israel? This is what Rahab did. She recognized that this God is above all other gods. And she's like, I know who you guys are and I know who your God is and I know he's powerful and he's mighty and I know he can take this city and he's going to. She had way more faith than the children of Israel, the spies. They didn't believe that God could take it, even though they'd seen all these things. She had only heard about it. She'd not seen it for her own eyes. But she said, that's the kind of God you don't mess with. That's the kind of God you want to be on his team. That's the kind of God, if he gives any sense of mercy, I want to be on that. I want to be in on that. And so when she sees the, these spies, she's like, guys, like, I need to be in with you guys because I know who you are and I know the God that you're representing and I know he's awesome and he's rad and he's big and he's powerful and I know that if I'm found on the opposite side of that, then this is not a good place for us. And everyone else knows it, but they're not responding like this. So this is where her, her faith lies. Not just that she hid some spies. Maybe she just likes to hide people. Maybe she's an expert at, you know, hide and seek. No, it's the fact that she knows that God is able, capable, faithful. And she believes it, even though she hasn't even really seen it, she's believing it. And so they basically say to her, our lives for yours, we'll do it. But if you turn on us, we, we can't help you. And put this scarlet cord 
in your window so we know who you are and you'll be good. And that, isn't that interesting? Here we have another, by the red, by the blood, by the, the scarlet, you're saved from judgment. Just like the Passover, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. I mean, this, these, these are just so many little Easter eggs. I love these little Easter eggs that are all over the Old Testament that point to the Messiah. And also, not just to that, but what he would do, what he could do with the life. So verse 23, so the, men, the two men returned, uh, descended from the mountain and crossed over. And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. This is the proper response. The Lord has prepared the way. If God wants to do it, ain't nothing stopping it. If God, is, if God wants to go, there is nothing that man can do. Your best fortified city, your best warriors, your giants mean nothing. They're dead before we even show up. They're terrified. They're so scared. So Joshua is preparing to go into the land of Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 5, we have this, so we're going back and forth, kind of Joshua, Rahab. Came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes, verse 13 of chapter 5 in Joshua, and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no. <laughs> Love that. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua's about to go into the land. He's gonna need more faith. He's gonna do this crazy thing. He's gonna be asked to do crazy things in Jericho. And so who does he meet up with? Uh, this is a Christophany. This is, this is God in, in, in man form. It's probably Jesus in some, some form. And he meets with them. How do we know? Because first of all, angels don't, will not let you worship them like that. And he's told to take off his sandals, just like, just like at the bush. This is holy ground. And so he comes before him. And now this is really interesting, okay? This is what we've got to remember. This is, even for the children of Israel, are you for us or against us? He's like, no. No. I am that I am. You're either for me or you're against me. Isn't that a good flip of the script? And would that not play out for the children of Israel? When they honor God, when they're for him, we see it in Joshua. Mighty, they just defeat everybody. They just go, go in the land. The Lord just delivers them, just delivers them, just delivers them over and over again. They take it into their own hands. We'll see right after Jericho's AI and they lose. So the question isn't, is God with us? It's, are we with God? Are we part of the mission that he's doing? 
Because so often it's like, bless my plans, bless my plans. He's like, no. You have your plans, that's great. But I'm the one directing this. And by the way, mine's better than yours. So come in line. It might seem like a subtle thing, but it's not. And he's reminding Joshua of exactly who's following who. You're going with me. So then we get into chapter six. Verse one, now Jericho was securely shot, shut up uh, because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. They're sketched out. And the Lord said to Joshua, see if I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and, and mighty men of valor. You shall, he's saying, see, hey, go watch. Watch what I'm gonna do. Get ready for a good one. Mar you're gonna march around the city, your men of war. You shall go around the city once. Then you shall do it six days. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass, they'll make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Uh, there's a, an Ark of the Covenant emphasis in all of this. What's the Ark of the Covenant represent? God's presence, right? That he's with them. He's going with us. And so he says, hey, are you with me, Joshua? Or are you asking me to sign off on your plans? You're with me? Watch what I'm about to do. You're going to march around it. You're going to blow your trumpets. Okay. Six different days. Could you imagine this six different days? The first day you do it and the people are like, what? You know, and then the second day and you keep doing it and you're kind of like, I could imagine it'd be easy to get, start doubting. Like, what are we doing here? Like, we are blowing trumpets. And what, what is this? And so then they get to the seventh day. But, you know, the, the key here is obedience. Doing what makes no sense, right? Because what, what has God been showing us through all this faith? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense some, so often to man. But it's obedience. Verse 15. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. And on that day... Only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are in, her in the house because she hid the messengers that were sent. Because of Rahab's faith, she's saved Everyone else is gone. God has fulfilled this promise both to take the land and also to preserve a prostitute that decided to trust in him. So we think, okay, Rahab, great. She hid some spies. What else? It's interesting. We see in James chapter two, Rahab comes up again with really elite company. James chapter two. Uh, but do you want to know, verse 20, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? 
And by works, it means obedience, follow through. So we see Abraham, right? Did you not see faith working out together with his works? By works of faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. You're like, yes, Abraham. He's like the iconic person of faith. I'm gonna give you one more example. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Rahab appears again in an iconic faith verse. It's incredible. What do we know about Rahab? She ends up uh, becoming part of the children of Israel. That's not what she was by nationality. She's, she came out from her old life, her old people, her old everything. She ends up marrying Salmon, who was a prince. They have a son. Son's name is Boaz. Boaz is awesome. Rahab, a prostitute, now walking with God, now with the children of Israel, marries a stinking prince, has a son. The son is awesome. She's a good mom, most likely. Boaz is the one that redeems Ruth, and he's this great dude. He redeems Ruth. Then they have Obed, Jesse, David. She's the great-grandmother of David. Talk about redemption. Talk about what God can do. You know, Joshua, may we all be Joshua's, right? Like, we don't have a huge thing where he's off, way off the rails. We see Joshua is trusting God. He's believing God even when it's very unpopular, He's like, no, God can do it. Him and Caleb are like, no, God could do it. No, this means nothing. If God's with us, he's with, and, and he's used to do some insanely radical things. But then we might be Rahab. And we have wasted a lot of time. And we feel like we don't have a lot of worth, but we've come to know that there is a God and that we don't know what to do with that. <laughs> like, what do you do with my messed up life? Do I even have any value? Do you care about me at all? And so there's an act of faith in response to that. I believe you're gonna come through. I believe you're powerful. I trust you. And then Rahab is not only rescued and saved, she's given a new life and a heritage, a lineage after her. So whether you grow up like Joshua's, may our children be Joshua's, or we got to go the Rahab way. Maybe we've been messed up and dealt with a lot of junk and nastiness and we felt dirtier and worse than we could have ever imagined. But you can be redeemed at that point too. Not just redeemed, but brought to a place of honor. And that's what we see in the life of Rahab. Matthew 21, verse 28. But what do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, Go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two 
do the will of his father. They said, the first, Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you by the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. You know, What's interesting is whether we think we're a Joshua or a Rahab, we all got some Rahab in us. We all recognize that we are scarred and, and we're stained by sin and past and hurt and mistakes and regrets. But it really comes down to what do we do with what we, has been put in front of us? Maybe we said, no, I'm not going that way like this son. No, I'm not gonna do what you asked me to do. And then he's like, you know what? I'm a fool. <laughs> of course I'll do what you asked me to do. That has way more value than the one that says, oh, I'll do what you asked me to do. It's all lip service. No, this is a change of heart. And there's a reality to that. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world. But by him and through him, we would be saved. So this story that we get in the hall of faith that goes back to Judges is a story of beautiful redemption. And it's a symbol and a sign of what God did then and what he would really do through Jesus that would now change not just our outside or our, our people group, but would change our hearts, that would change our minds, that would renew us and make us new creations. Don't we long for that? Did you long for a fresh start, a new life? Beckon beckoning to call, heeding the call, that as he's calling us, as he's calling us, we come before him and we listen and we answer. Whether we heard it before, whether we ignored it before, I see it now. That was Rahab's deal. She saw it. Everybody else saw it too, but they didn't, they didn't respond to it. She said, all right, if he's coming, I want to be on his team. And what came from that? She was redeemed. She was restored and she was brought honor and now she's in the lineage. You read through the lineage, there's Rahab. She's part of the line of Jesus. What? This is our God. This is what our God does. And so that's why when we look at the world around us and we see lost people, and we see broken people, and we see hurting people, so does he. But he doesn't see them as nuisances or problems. He sees them as those that he loves and wants to restore and redeem and bring a lineage and a life and, and, a, and prosper in ways they could never imagine. That your life could actually produce something. It's the idea of prosperity. It's not like you know, get rich, but like produce something, give something. What a good God we serve. So we look at a tale of two stories, of two lives and yet they both ended up in the hall of faith. You think God could work in yours? You think he could work in mine? How about the kid that's, that's gone? It's not out, he's not around, not doing, you think God can work? What about the, the people on the streets? What about the people in your, the people you agree with or disagree with? <laughs> Politically. Could God redeem and restore? Every, he can so we pray for God to awaken hearts, awaken minds, that we'd be like in that parable, the ones that go, what am I thinking saying no? 
I want to follow you now. And we would see God do some crazy, awesome, redemptive work. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.